have notes and normally very systematic in how I approach scripture. Today I'm going to look at this word and remember what God said and not look at my notes too much um, because I personally believe he wants to say way more than I have on this page. <laughs> Amen. We're in Colossians, first chapter. Uh, get me my translation, New Living Translation. I'll be going back and forth between that and the uh, New King, or the, the King James. Thank you, John, so much for helping us out. See you up there, brother. Thank you. Uh, and when I look at this passage, the 24th verse, Colossians 1, 24, uh, when I look at this passage, I, this portion of scripture, as my dad would say, um, I probably, I'm probably going to be here for the next couple of weeks. Um, there are so many ways and so many things to touch on in this passage of scripture. Um, I don't want to rush it. There's a lot of points and I can't give all the points on one Sunday. So I'm going to take my time with it. Amen. Um, so be patient with me um, as we go through this. Amen. All right. The word of God reads, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Verse 25. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ for, are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you, and this gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Now, stay there, and we're going to go in a different order this morning. Um, Help me, Holy Spirit, with this. Paul is saying that he works hard and struggles hard. He is consistent. He is relentless. He is focused. He is struggling hard, but depending on Christ's mighty power that works within him. He's saying that there is this nudging that he gets from the Spirit, this power that he gets from the Spirit. It doesn't come from him. A lot of what is happening in Paul's life has everything to do with Paul getting out of the way of what God wants to do. Paul, like Moses, is gifted in some areas, but Paul, like Moses, is also very flawed. Amen? And there are things about Paul that could not be used in ministry. But the thing about God is God does not call people based on how qualified 
They are naturally what they bring to the table. Paul was trained by Gamaliel. He was, he was a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a Jew of Jews. He had all the scriptures down and memorized. He knew exactly what to say. He knew, the under, he had an understanding of the word of God and, and was very highly esteemed uh, amongst his brethren. And, and, and God was like, I can't use most of that. Because <laughs> that's going to get in the way. So what you have, when Moses was being used to de- as a deliverer for, 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 for Israel coming out of Egypt, Moses, you know, he, he, he had some things going for him, but he was a murderer. And he stuttered. And he just wasn't, you know, well polished. And, 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 you know, when God is going to use somebody, he calls somebody who's going to get out of the way. Gideon uh, uh, had 300 soldiers. Amen. And they defeated all kinds of, a, a vast army of people. But what ended up happening is Gideon, he said, I'm the least of my clan. <laughs> I, I'm not the one that you should use. Don't you think, I can't even raise up an army. I, no, I have no influence. Nobody listens to what I say. You know, I'm, you know that boy Gideon, how he going to lead something? Well, that's exactly who God wanted to use. Someone who would get out of the way and depend on Christ's mighty power that's working within him. Amen? Amen. Amen. And what happens? We want to present them perfect to God. Verse 28. We want to present them perfect to God. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. Amen. We teach and we warn. We teach and we warn. So the power is coming from God to teach and warn. So we tell others about Christ. We are warning everyone and teaching everyone. We compel men to come out of sin. Amen. Don't let them be comfortable on their way to hell. The moment that the church stops warning people and warning the congregation, that's the, more, that's the, the, the one time when, when uh, attendance skyrockets. Everybody, you know, gets comfortable. Everybody uh, decides that, you know, they want a Jesus that they can control. Uh, Pastor, don't say anything about how I live. Don't say anything about what I'm doing. Uh, Pastor, that was a beautiful sermon. I feel good about how I'm living. Continue to teach like that. I'll be, I felt so good about your sermon. I'll be back next Sunday. That's what people want. They want someone to actually just kind of get out of the way. Don't be so judgmental. Don't step on my toes. I plan to do the same thing I did last week, this week. And I really don't want you to say anything about it. But the, more, the moment you warn people, amen, that's when people start to have problems. They want to, you know, come against your ministry. You know, that's the moment they say, oh, you go to that judgmental church, don't you? I ain't heard about that. That's what they want to do. So we warn and we teach at the same time, telling everybody with the wisdom that God has given us, amen, about coming out of sin. We teach them about the doctrine. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine or reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished. Okay, all right, I hear you. I hear you, Lord. I hear you. Skip up. I'm going to move around a little bit. Skip up to. No, no, stay right there. We want to present them. Amen. We want to present them perfect in their relationship to Christ. We want them to mature. 
People don't just get saved and then you drop them. Somebody has to come alongside them and work with them. Paul is saying, this is all about his ministry. He's saying, basically, I I do what I do because of the power of God that is working with me. I teach and I warn. I give doctrine. I tell people to come out of those things that will send them to hell. And and what what am I doing? I'm I'm perfecting them. So we have the Holy Spirit that's doing the work. We have have Jesus Christ who's already completed the work. And then you have your pastors and teachers, evangelists, prophets who are doing the work that are called by God for the equipping. Hallelujah. Come on, Holy Spirit of the saints. And what ends up happening is you got men who are coming alongside of you, who walk with you, who love you, who want you not to be babes in Christ. Always, you know, thrown by every, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. No, we want you to actually grow. Where do we get that from? Same place. Not from ourselves. Naturally, not from our gifts. It's the power of God. These are his desires. He puts his desires in the men of God who want to see the same things that God wants to see. We don't just want you to get saved. That's good. We want you to grow. We want you to mature. Amen? We want you to mature. Now go back to verse 24. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. What I need you to understand is this whole section of why it's so hard, why he struggles and pushes so hard, has everything to do with the attack and the persecution that is, that is coming to Paul. And that attack and persecution comes from basically two different groups. Three, but mainly two. You got the mystics in Colossae who just believe every, all kinds of things. Then you got the legalists, those are the Jews that came in and said, you know, if if you're not circumcised, if you don't do everything like you're a Jewish person, then you're not really saved. You need to add what we're telling you to do to Jesus Christ or preach that. And then you've also got the the ascetics, the people who are, you know, they have all these really, really tight, 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 tight rules as far as what you're supposed to do in order to not only be saved, but also to grow in Christ and become like Christ. Verse 24 says, I am glad when I suffer, and here's the key that kind of makes this whole passage make sense. I'm glad when I suffer. Why are you suffering, Paul? I'm suffering for you in my body. I'm getting beat down and taking blows to the head and stoned and whipped, flogged, mistreated, disrespected. Why? For you. I am participating, as I said last week, in the sufferings of Christ. The sufferings of Christ are finished as far as what Christ has done. It's a finished work. But the Christian also suffers, and we go through. Do you remember when Jesus basically told Paul on the Damascus Road, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Huh? Huh? Why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my church? He didn't say, why are you messing with the people of God? Why are you? He said, why are you persecuting me? When, when, when Paul was going out breathing threats and trying to stop the, the explosion of the gospel, what ended up happening is Jesus said, you are persecuting me. I'm the one that you're messing with, which means there's a connection between Jesus Christ and his church when it comes to suffering. I said that 
last, uh, the last time I was uh, preaching. He is the head, we are the body. But then Jesus goes on to say, Saul, you are going to suffer. And why are you going to suffer, Saul? Well, Saul, you're going to suffer for a very specific reason. You're going to bring a message of truth to a group of people that desperately need to hear it while there's a bunch of people who desperately think they're not worthy enough to hear it. Uh. We're fighting against others who think that this truth does not need to be heard. Acts 9. Give me Acts 9, King James Version, 13 through 17. Acts 9, 13 through 17. King James. The word of God reads, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much he, evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is my chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the who? Gentiles, people who are not Jews, and kings and children of Israel. But the Gentiles are his primary mission. Amen? For I will show him how great he must, what? Suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way uh-huh, and entered into the house and put in his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared to thee unto thee in the way that thou, as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we know the story, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, right? And Saul realized that Jesus Christ was God, that he was the Messiah, amen? And Saul was blind to the fact that he was working against God by trying to stop this, this, this movement called the way, this, 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 this religion, as he called it, this, this sect, the way, but... Not only was Saul blind in the area when it came to stopping the message from spreading, Saul was blind to the fact that he could not grasp the fact that God wanted to bless folks that were not like him. God wanted to bless Gentiles. Amen? And this is the mystery. When he says, Paul had this, this thing called the mystery that God had given to him, and the mystery is something that is hidden, from everybody in the Old Testament, it is now revealed to everyone in the New Testament that are Christians that are believing in Christ, and it is in the simplest form, for God so loved the whole world. Stop right there. Not me and my little crew. Not the folks that think just like me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe. Amen? That is pretty much the mystery in the, in, the, in, the, in the most famous verse in the Bible. This is the heart of God. Uh, give me 1 Timothy 2 and 1. Quick, 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 quick. 1 Timothy 2 and 1. I'm going to read it from here. 1 Timothy 2 and 1. I thought, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Next verse. 
for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may be that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Next verse. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Next verse. Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth? Here's the thing, saints. He's saying, I want you to pray that the Bidens and the Trumps and the folks that are in, in high positions and that the roads would be smooth for the gospel to travel on, that we'll have peaceable lives, that we'll be able to worship God wherever we want, that we'll be able to preach the truth wherever we want, that the obstacles would be removed and moved out of the way so the gospel can get through. But here's the problem, saints. He wants us praying against the obstacles, but he does not intend that we become the obstacle ourselves. And how does that happen? When I start to think that I'm better than you, and I forget where I came from, and I lose sight of how God saved me and took time with me, and, and saw my ugliness and, and waited on me and was like, Jamie's on his way. Just, just, I, I mean, don't worry, it's, going, it's all going to work out. He who started a thing, who begun a good work, is able to complete that work until the day of Christ Jesus when he returns. So what he's saying, basically, I've got this. But the thing is, is what we, sometimes what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, the enemy's out there not recognizing the enemy within. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. I'm all over the place, but just help me. Verse 25, Colossians 1.25. Come on. Colossians 1.25. Uh, NLT. Yeah. God has given me, Paul, the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire Message the whole counsel of God to you, to the guess what? Gentiles. Amen. The responsibility, the stewardship, the specific assignment. Amen. Peter was sent to the Jews. Paul was given a specific assignment to the Gentiles. Amen. Uh, don't turn to it, but just trust me, it's there. Ephesians 3, 1 through 6 says, When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you understand and know God gave me this special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed this mysterious plan as you read what I have written you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ Christ God did not reveal it to previous generations you see that amen but now by his spirit he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets and this is God's plan both Jews and Gentiles who believe the good news share equally in the riches and inheritance of God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ. That's what he's essentially saying here in Colossians 1 and 25. The responsibility of serving his church and giving them the entire message. I want you to understand what all this Old Testament scripture is really pointing to. 
He's saying that there's no difference. He's saying that you get a blessing, you, have, you are being grafted into the blessings of Abraham just like these Jews. Amen? Just like these Jews. And in verse 26, of Colossians 1.26 says, This message was kept secret for centuries, generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. What is the message? God wanted them to know what are the riches and the glory uh, of Christ are for you Gentiles. He's basically saying that you'll never be richer than you are right now when you come into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. He's saying there are riches and glory. No matter how much money you amass, you'll never be able to outdo the fact that you know Jesus. He's saying that because you had the Gentiles who are walking around the Jews like, you know, some kind of sub-natured second-class citizen Christian. (laughs) And he's telling them, no, 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 you have the blessings of God. We are the same. Amen? So remember who you are. You know Christ Jesus. You're rich in blessings. You're rich in favor. Huh? Paul's contribution is saying basically it doesn't matter, you know, what these other folks are saying. He's saying that the Jews are no different. The problem was is this. The Jews would never have agreed that God could use everyone. That was, that was the issue. We're in the church together. And we're worshiping and singing songs together, but God likes me more than you. (laughs) Why? Because you're not a Jew. That's what it was coming down to. These people had to collide. This gets deep. I'm going to keep going. The idea uh, that God had had accepted the Gentiles in that way was too much for them to handle. This idea seemed... You know, it it was like, you're telling me that we're not that special anymore? That was considered blasphemy to the Jews. Because they had heard all along in the Old Testament scriptures, even though they misunderstood the purpose, that it was all about them. It was all about them. This is because they, down through the years, God had said that they were just special people. It was okay for outsiders to be blessed, but not with the same amount of blessings as the Jews. Fast forward to the church age, and we still deal with this today. The church age, God can do, do some things through you, but he can't do, you know, we're better than you. Amen? The Gnostics at that time would have never agreed that everyone could be warned and taught, amen, and preached to and and presented uh, the same God. They believed that the knowledge necessary for salvation involved some difficult thing that they must have to do or, you know, spiritual aristocracy. You had to be of a certain, on a certain level. You're not on my level. And because you're not on my level... You know, God's not going to bless you as much as he's going to bless me. You're beneath me. This was the problem. I got a quote for you, and I got to read this. This is, a, this is powerful. I, I got a little help from this, uh, on this message, and several uh, preachers quoted this quote. It, it must be something that goes along with this. The American biblical scholar E.J. Godspeed quotes a passage from Walter Lippmann's pre- uh, preface to morals, and it says, as yet no teacher has ever 
appeared who was wise enough to know how to teach his wisdom to all mankind. In fact, the greatest teachers have attempted nothing like this ever in in history. They were quite well aware of how difficult it was to pass on wisdom, and they have confessed frankly that the perfect life, the godly life, was only for a select few. It's arguable, in fact, that the very idea of teaching the highest wisdom to all men is the recent notion of humanitarian and uh, romantic, romantically uh, democratic age. Yes. And it's quite foreign to the thought of these great teachers. It has always been the case that there has been uh, open or sometimes unspoken agreement that all wisdom is not for everyone. These are what the philosophers and the great minds are already thinking. Basically, I'm special and some other people are special, but not all people are really that special. So I'm going to seek out the special people and teach all of my special knowledge to the special people. And everybody else, good luck. They still like that. Amen? Here's another part of the quote. The fact is that the only thing in this world that is for everyone is Jesus Christ. And then he says this, not everybody's going to be a thinker. Not everybody's going to be a scholar. Not everybody's going to be, you know, uh, extremely gifted in those areas. There are gifts which are not granted to everyone. Not everyone can become an expert in every craft or even in every game. There are those who are colorblind to whom Grand B can't even dress. (laughs) You know, there are those who are colorblind. There are those who are tone deaf, who can't sing songs. There are those who can't be a writer. There are those who can't be teachers. There are those who can't be singers. Every human, uh, every human love at its highest level is not granted to all. Every gift. There are gifts that some will never possess. There are privileges that some will never enjoy. There are heights of this world attainment that will never uh, come to people. We'll never be able to scale those things. But open to everyone, he says, is the good news of the gospel, the love of God in Christ Jesus, and the transforming power that brings holiness to life. So there was this woman who had come to Jesus. She's a Canaanite. And it's in Matthew. And she says, listen, Jesus, my daughter is possessed by a demon. And Jesus says to her, I have not come at this time, basically, to help those who are not Jews. Should I take the bread from the children and give it to the dogs? And the woman's response is, I know I'm a dog. I already know I'm not a part of your clique. I already know I'm not, you know, I'm not as special as you guys think. But she says, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says, great is your faith, woman. Your, woman, your daughter is healed. And they said, the Bible says she was healed instantly. The daughter was healed instantly that hour. What am I saying, saints? What am I saying? I'm saying basically this. The bread is not the problem of our circumstances here. The bread is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
The bread is also the miracles. The bread is the the other things that pertain to salvation. The gift of the Spirit, the power to work in ministry, the awareness that we all need to have that we are truly, indeed, children of God. The same blessings that went to the Jews were coming to be received by the Gentiles. And they would be received not because they were wonderful. They would be received because of faith. Amen? He did not tell that woman, go get everything straight first. Fix this. Fix that. All he said is, you believe in me, don't you? And in that moment, in that moment, her daughter was healed. Amen? Jesus did not request a bunch of changes first. He did not require that she become more Jewish. He did not require that she change anything about her, change anything in her culture. Here's the thing, saints. I'm going to jump to it. Go back to Colossians 1, verse 27. So there's this mystery that has been kept for many years, hidden in the whole Old Testament, not very obvious. Generations go by. They can't see it. Paul is being used by God to reveal what that secret is. What is the secret? The secret is Christ lives in you. God lives in you. Why was that so big? Christ, the hope of glory the assurance that you are going to get all of his promises. He's living in you. Jesus desires to live in those that believe in him. This is the big truth that was hidden from everybody, including Paul, until Christ revealed it to him. The New Testament apostles and preachers, they got this truth and they ran with it. Paul got this truth and gave it to black folks. And <laughs> now we got Chinese churches and, <laughs> you feel me, Hispanic churches. And, you know, we would have all been sitting here trying to find a way to make ourselves righteous in our own power if God had not said, said no, 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 tell them. Tell them shrimp eaten, pig feet eaten, don't know how to dress in church eating, <laughs> pagan culture outside the box eating, you know, living, tell those folks that are not, not doing what the Jews would normally do because they've had my rule so long, tell them that they're the ones I really want to live in. <gasps> and the Jews were like, well, what does this mean? It means that I am just like you. Somebody needs to be saved just like you. And Jesus is offering his salvation to me. Now, here's the thing. This is important because if you did not understand the gravity and the weight of what Christ living in you does, then what you will do is you will do something that I would call a counterfeit righteousness. Huh? Where you corrupt your assurance. Woo. 
Because once you realize that Jesus is in, that he's living in you and what that means, that he's not coming out, that every change that needs to be made, <laughs> every crooked area that needs to be straightened out, everything that's not right that's against God, all of those things are going to get worked out if he's living in you. So the problem is, is everybody else around them in that day were saying to them, what you got to do is you got to add this, you got to add that, you got to add this, you got to add that, you got to be like this, you got to be like that. And he said, and Paul said, tell the Gentiles Jesus is already there. He's living inside of you. And what does that do? That gives you the hope, the assurance of glory. I know I'm going to heaven not because I fixed myself. I know I'm going to heaven because he's already in here. He lives in me. Oh, okay. Okay. God desired to live in barbarians, pagans, those who didn't know the scriptures, those who didn't do everything right those who had a pagan culture. Give me Ephesians 3.17. Okay, I see, Lord. This is Paul's prayer, that Christ may dwell in your heart's by what? Is there anything else there? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. How does he come in? By believing. That's how he comes in. He doesn't add anything else. All that's needed is your faith in Christ. And I hear my dad in my head. What we do a lot of times is we tell people a message that's not really the gospel. And people said it before. I say it like this. When you come to Jesus, don't come as you are. (laughs) Clean yourself up first a little bit. Make him think you're not as dirty as you look. Fix up a little bit. Do all these things that you need to do to yourself in order to be received. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. And when you do that to people, you crush their spirits. A lot of times, one of the reasons why I believe, David, people are running around or leaving the faith is because they never accurately heard the faith. (laughs) They've not heard how good the news really is. They've heard something else, a slant. That's not true. What we've got to do is we've got to tell people, listen, right where you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're into, What you need is to receive Jesus, Christ in you. Now, we are saved before the foundation of the world. We are going to be saved, and we are being saved. 
And this is where the other part comes in. Every Sunday that I come in here and I sing to the glory of God, I get on those drums and I tune up with Ruth or Keisha, who's ever singing. And then I hear the scripture read by Brother Keith or Brother Dave or Brother Rick. And then I hear a sermon that I preach to myself or David preaches or Doug preaches. Every day that we come in here, guess what we're doing? We're being saved. (laughs) Every single time. Okay? I am saved. He planned to save me before the foundation of the world. I will eventually be totally safe. Amen? But while I'm here on earth, I come in Sunday after Sunday after I get in that world needing to hear something that redirects me (laughs) from the craziness that I can get myself into and this world can get into. Amen? And that's when the warning and the teaching comes in. That's when the pastor comes in and says, listen, I'm going to tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not, but this is the deal. I don't know what you did this week or what you were thinking about doing, but God is here to save you today. (laughs) So listen to the truth so you can hear the truth, amen, and be saved for this coming week because you're going to need the truth this week because I don't know what you're going to be tempted by. I don't know what you're going to feel like doing. Oh, somebody's getting it. I don't know what's going to come over you this week, so you need to come in on Sunday and hear the truth. Amen? And recognize what? That the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ living in you and the Word are saying the same thing. Amen? He's going to back up that Word. He's going to give you the power to do it. Amen? He's going to make, he's going to perform it during the week. How many people have experienced him performing what you learned during the week? I didn't do it myself. I heard it. I needed to hear it. But Jesus walked it out in me Ah. are you hearing me saints Uh. yeah 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 praise the Lord that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. I write these things, Corinthians 4.14 says, I write these things not to shame you, but as beloved sons, I warn you. Amen. The teaching and the warning, therefore us to keep on track. Amen. Hebrews 13.20 and 21, just going through these scriptures, he says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you the power, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. Amen? Amen. All glory to God for what he does. Amen? So here's the thing, saints. Paul says that I struggle in Colossians 1.29 so hard depending on the power of Christ that works within me to bring the church to maturity. He works hard. 
He depends on God. It's not his power. The power comes from Jesus Christ. The power to keep going comes from Jesus Christ. The energy source that you need to work for his kingdom, that nudge he gives you to pass out a track that's coming from Jesus Christ, that reminder that someone needs to hear the gospel, that desire to go to the hospital and smile and be used by God in spite of what you're dealing with so people will know that you belong to him, that you're in the kingdom, so they will see a difference for you. That's all coming through the power that works in us. He sees a desire for the people that you are in contact with to know Christ. What does he want them to know? What does he want them to realize while you're struggling? See, this whole context is really about this. Paul is struggling for you, for you Gentiles. The enemy doesn't want you to know who's living in you. So now we pick up those sufferings. We fill up the sufferings. We continue. Remember, as I said the other week, we continue the suffering to Jesus Christ. How are we doing it? When we tell people the truth. So now we suffer for them. We go through things. There are so many times I take hits just for preaching the truth. I told the truth at a funeral recently. I was flat on my back next week. Why? Because I didn't lie to the people. I told them what the devil didn't want nobody, didn't want them to hear. When you do those things, when you actually are used by God, you will take hits. You will take hits. Why? Because the heart of God has been placed inside of you. And what does he want you to tell them? He wants you to tell them that I don't care what you did. I don't care how messed up you are. I don't care about where you come from. I don't care that you didn't grow up with this. I don't care if you were the pagans of pagans of pagans of Oakland. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you need to believe this truth that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he will save you from wherever you were coming from and save you from hell and the grave. He will bring you eternal life. He paid for your sins. He died on the cross to save you. And he did that not just so you can go, who I'm saved, I got a sticker, so he can actually live in you. That's what he wants them to do. He wants you to tell them once you receive Christ, you don't just get, you know, you don't just get forgiveness. You get Jesus. He is your hope of glory. And what we never want to do is get in the way because we forgot where we came from.